Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. I didn't mean it to uh, be disrespectful at all. I mean, we do, we do the flag thing at OU Texas, and so uh, that's just something that I got caught up in an emotional win. And, you know, yeah, it should have been something I did in the locker room, so I apologize for doing it in the middle of the field. Sorry, but you're going to have to wait to find out whether we feel like Baker Mayfield's apology was warranted. What's good? Welcome to the best 60 minutes of your day. Also coming up, how you know Chuck Pagano has too much on his mind with Andrew Luck still on the men, whether the officiating played too big of a role in the Packers went over the Seahawks, and whether Bengals fans were doing too much and being a little too tough on old Andy Dalton. Yeah, but we start with a lot of running back-related news, as you can see there, David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott. But first, we begin with Adrian Peterson and the Monday Night Football matchup, one of two, of course. A lot of questions about whether Adrian Peterson can rebound from rushing for fewer than 1,000 yards last season for just the third time in his career. Will he start by sticking it to his old team? Well, here's Lisa Salters with more on that. Hello, Jamel and Michael. There are a lot of storylines for tonight's game. None bigger, of course, than Adrian Peterson's return to Minnesota, coming back as a saint and playing against the team he played with for 10 years. Peterson told us he'll probably be emotional, but plans to keep his emotions contained and said he expects love from the fans, at least pregame. But as it relates to football, perhaps the bigger questions are, how will Peterson fit into Sean Payton and Drew Brees' pass-focused offense? And... Will there be enough touches to go around to keep him and Mark Ingram happy? Remember, Ingram rushed for a career-best 1,043 yards last season. As for the Vikings and the hole in the offense that Peterson left behind, that's expected to be filled by second-round rookie Dalvin Cook out of Florida State, a player quarterback Sam Bradford describes as smooth on the field. Cook said he doesn't feel pressure replacing Adrian Peterson, but he's definitely going to soak up the moment tonight. He said playing on the same field with Adrian, Drew Brees on Monday Night Football. As a kid, he said, you dream of stuff like that. All right, thank you, Lisa. Peterson will become the sixth player in NFL history to face a team for which he previously rushed for 10,000 yards. The other five players to do so, let's say they haven't fared too well, and that's putting it kindly. None has rushed for more than 35 yards. So with that in mind, Jamel, are you expecting all day to have a big night tonight? Well, you know, uh, to take this to relationships, nobody knows you like your ex, right? And Adrian Peterson, while I understand him wanting to, as he put it, stick it to his old team, that's exactly how you wind up getting outside of, uh, that's how you let them win, in other words. So, as you know, the season finale of Insecure was last night. Mm -hmm. I won't argue with you yet about that. But one of the reasons in a previous episode I was so mad with Lawrence for chasing after Issa is because he showed he cared. And the biggest way to get back at somebody is to act like you don't care. He should have treated this like any other game and said, you know what, I'm just going to do what this offense requires and not worry about revenge. Yeah, but it's not just any other game. He'd be faking it. He's going to end up in the ring of honor one day with our own Randy Moss who goes in tonight. 
So for me, the most you're going to see of Adrian Peterson tonight is cutaways to the sideline. Cutaway, that's a TV term. That's what the director said. Take a shot at Adrian Peterson while Dalvin Cook is capably replacing him in the Vikings' backfield. And Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram are getting most of the touches in a backfield that anybody that follows the Saints knows. Sean Payton rotates his running backs almost to a fault sometimes. So I don't think he's going to go in here trying to feed Adrian Peterson and make him the star of the game. He wants to win this game going into New England next week. And Adrian Peterson will be a situational, as in first or second down, option. Ooh. Mark Ingram and Kamara can do that just Is that much. your intellectual way of calling him a sad piece? I'm just saying he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be a cameo in tonight's drama, if you will. All right, uh, bad news for the Cardinals. Uh, running back David Johnson has been diagnosed with a dislocated wrist. The Cards still don't have a handle on how much time he will miss or if he will require surgery. Now, Chris Bortenson reports that Johnson is expected to miss Week Two's Week Two's game against the Colts. Uh, Bruce Arians uh, he has an interesting perspective on David Johnson's injury. Here's what he said today: David Johnson became David Johnson because of somebody's injury. Talking about the impact he would have. By the way, Andrew Luck already ruled out for cards, Colts here in week two. But getting back to Mort, you and Mort are in in a fantasy league together. War Room League, yep. War Room League, widely known around campus. Uh, David Johnson, in most fantasy leagues, was a top three pick, fair to say. Top two, one or two. Okay, one or two, right? So, not to sound cruel, all right. That's a sound cruel. <laughs> is David Johnson's injury, is that a bigger impact in fantasy or reality? Have we gotten to a place in this society where that's a legitimate question? And that was a rhetorical question. It kind of is. It kind of is. Because they got a lot of people no who play fantasy football who today are feeling sick because they took him number one and over, number two overall. Right. So who am I say, if you know what you're doing, like I do, you could overcome this. Okay. You could general manage your way out of this loss in your fantasy league and wait until he comes back and you have him for the stretch running through the playoffs. But I'm not going to trivialize this young man's unfortunate break by reducing this to a fantasy conversation. So I just answered your question to be polite. Obviously, it's more in reality because, one, he's playing on about a $600,000 base salary this year, still on his rookie contract, as we talked about with Le'Veon Bell and others, specifically at this position, okay? One minute you're the best player on your team and in the, and in the game, the next minute you're rehabbing injury. Short shelf life for running backs in general. So it's unfortunate that a guy with... Uh, still, uh, you know, uh, obviously a lot to do, not to prove, but a lot to do to get that mega contract he's working for with the Cardinals suffers this kind of setback. But in this division where the Seahawks looked awful on offense, the Niners are the Niners, the Rams look great on defense and improved on offense, you just want to be healthy coming out of week one. And the Cardinals got enough problems to worry about with Carson Palmer, and now you're losing your best player. Yeah, sure, Bruce Arians is right. It creates an opportunity for somebody else, but there's no other David Johnsons, at least that we know of in that backfield, if not the league. Well, that, they're talking about possibly signing uh, Chris Johnson, by the way. But that, as you said, this is a, a big problem in reality, not just reality for David Johnson, mm-hmm. given the kind of contract that he has, but for re- running backs in general. It's just a, another reminder kind of why their value, unfortunately, has been devalued yeah. in the NFL because of the injury factor, because David Johnson was somebody that, quote, nobody saw coming, yeah. and then all of a sudden for him to say, well, the reason why we have him is because somebody else was able to be him. But he wasn't exactly an undrafted free agent. No, he wasn't. I mean, out of college knowing he could be that guy. They knew that he was going to be productive, perhaps, uh, I guess, for everyone else. Did they expect one day that David Johnson would be one of the top two or three running backs in the league? Maybe not, but certainly a productive player. But it just goes to show for running backs, unfortunately, they're constantly – 
um, being told in big and small ways that you don't matter. And I, I, my fear is that this signals yet again right. why it's not valuable to invest. And this in that injury position. wasn't reflective of the nature of the position. No, Anybody could have all. a freak wrist injury, but still, it's just such a, a fickle position. Real quick on the overall question: This is why players hate fantasy football because their reality, their struggles, their injuries. People say, "Oh man, my fantasy team is ruined," which again is a legitimate question. But ultimately, it comes, and a lot of people are sick. I think nationally, okay, I'll answer it this way. Nationally, more people care about their yep. fantasy teams and probably care about the state of the Arizona Cardinals. I think that's fair. All right, the NFL on Monday asked the judge who ruled in Ezekiel Elliott's favor to stop the preliminary injunction that cleared him to play while the case is in court. A notice of appeal was also filed with the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans. Also, Texas Judge Amos Mazant ordered expedited briefings on the NFL's request for an emergency stay of an injunction that blocked the NFL's six-game suspension of Elliott. The judge ordered the NFLPA and NFL to file paperwork in the case this week. The NFL's latest filings came about 12 hours after Elliott rushed for 104 yards in the Cowboys' win over the Giants Sunday night. Just relief, just relief for the fact that, you know, I'll finally get a, a fair trial. I'll finally get a chance to, to prove my innocence and, uh, just, just happy that I'm able to be with these guys for as long as it's permitted. What's been the hardest part about this? Um, just kind of your name getting dragged through the mud. I mean, it's been, like I said, 14 months, and you know, just kind of being associated with that, and that, that's tough. Hey, how'd you feel? Were you at all uncomfortable watching Zeke play last night? A little bit, and that's through no fault of his necessarily, but just where we are when it comes to watching sports and knowing. At sometimes too much about players that are on the field. Uh, not that this situation necessarily fits because it was uh, a legal investigation and therefore it was brought to the public. But, it, you know, when I was, I guess, coming to age as a sports fan, and granted I was younger, and even through my younger journalistic career, I just don't recall having so many issues or levels of dis- discomfort when watching players who I knew weren't perfect, who I knew weren't saints, who I knew weren't choir boys. And the discomfort with this case in particular is that both in, both you and I, we have we both feel as if the credibility of the accuser in this case has a right to be questioned mm-hmm. because it's about whether or not he really did this. And what's true because that's kind of hanging over it, as well as the NFL's incompetence. Mm-hmm. It has put people uh, in the media, even last night, the announcers talking about Ezekiel Elliott on television mm-hmm. in a a much more difficult spot when it comes to talking about it. Like, people don't even know how to talk about it because even listening to the question posed to Ezekiel Elliott, what's been the hardest part about all this? Well, then you have to think... If he did it, if he nobody did it, cares what's right, Nobody cares about how right. difficult this has been for Ezekiel right. Elliott. But right. the other side of that, that's not fair to him if he didn't do it. Which is why I'm completely comfortable watching him play. More than comfortable. I was actually happy to see him on the field last night. I know that can sound to some people like I'm rooting for a domestic abuser, alleged domestic abuser, to to get away with it. Mm -hmm. Far from it. I'm uncomfortable with the world, and I say this every single time the subject of personal conduct comes up. I'm uncomfortable with the world in which we presume somebody did it based on accusations, not on um, any, you know them being convicted or, or, or sentenced or anything like that, but just based off the fact that somebody said it and they may have done it or it's more probable than not that they've done it. I am uncomfortable with the idea that if this young lady, Tiffany Thompson, was in fact out to get Ezekiel Elliott, and as she allegedly put it, to ruin his career, 
I'm uncomfortable with that succeeding, either, even in ter- either in terms of suspension or in terms of reputation. And if every time you watch Ezekiel Elliott do this, if every time you see him play, you think about him hitting a woman, then she has succeeded because his reputation is ruined. Now, if he, in fact, put his hands on a woman, I have no sympathy for him or his reputation, and he will get what he deserves in this life or the next. But in the meantime, a six-game suspension is not justice if he actually did what he did. So even if he does sit six games, the fact that he was not prosecuted or convicted, that's the concern, not whether he sits six games and comes back and continues his career. Because once he comes back from that suspension, if he did it and if if and when he served the suspension – once he comes back, guess what? He still hit her. Yeah. He still abused her. That doesn't take that back. So this this idea of your pound of flesh coming in, in the form of missing games is flawed. So in the meantime, in between time, I'm not sure that he did it. I'm uncomfortable with the process. So, yes, I am happy that the NFL has to hold this L, at least in the, in the short term. And sometimes we do ourselves a disservice or do the legal system or even how we perceive people in these situations a disservice by trying to compound and make up for past issues. There's no question. We've seen plenty of cases on the other side where accusers and victims have received little to no justice mm-hmm. because of who the person they're accusing of bad acts is because they're a celebrity because they're a a big time athlete who plays for a big time team in a big time sport but just because that's happened doesn't mean we go to opposite extreme and assume everybody's guilty and not and and not leave room for the fact that there are situations although exceptions very rare very rare nonetheless that do happen in which players are targets exactly and just because the nfl is making this about optics and prs doesn't mean that we have to we don't have to be guilty of that Okay, on the field, the Giants uh, were without Odell Beckham Jr., but the expectation was that some semblance of their offense would actually show up against the Cowboys last night. Well, it didn't. Giants scored just three points, their lowest point total in an opener since 1995. They also were without a touchdown, uh, or the first time they went without a touchdown in three years. So as much as people like to point at not having Odell as being the big reason or a huge reason why the Giants were not successful last night, particularly on offense. Are their problems bigger than just Odell Beckham Jr.? To say the least. Like, him being out of that game not only preserved him for the long term, but it saved him a whole lot of frustration last night. Because I'm not sure that if he's in that game, Eli Manning manages to get him the ball. Even with Orlando Scandrick getting hurt. Fair point. And it looks like he may only miss one game with his injury, okay, for the Cowboys secondary. So good news for them. As good as the Cowboys' defense looked, and I don't want to take anything away from them, it just seems like New York's offense is so dysfunctional. So unless you're telling me that Odell Beckham can block for Eli, throw to himself, and run the ball while running the pass route, I I think it would have been another – everybody remembers that amazing catch he had against the Cowboys. But quiet as it's kept, he has not exploded against him really in the last two years. So I don't think he'd have had that big of a game. Now people will say, well, his presence is enough of an impact for everybody else. I guess because to me, on paper, they had enough talent in Brandon Marshall, and I know he's a rookie, but the tight end Ingram, they got in Sterling Shepard, they got enough talent to have put forth a better showing than they did last night. And for the people saying, well, uh, Odell Beckham, he just helped his leverage in contract negotiations. I don't think so. I think ultimately the use of the franchise tag and the pay scale for wide receivers is what it is. You know what he helped himself? MVP conversation. Because <laughs> he really did look like the most valuable player in the league if that's how bad you look without him. Well, people also have to remember that even last year, the Giants' offense at times struggled. In their division, they had the worst offense from a production standpoint. So it wasn't just about him. However, I don't think we can pretend that his presence has a carryover effect and maybe could have helped Brandon Marshall or Sterling Shepard be more productive last sure, night. The coverage is rolling to him. Exactly. So I look at their, he sometimes 
one player or maybe even a certain scheme can make up for a deficiency. People have been talking about the Giants' offensive line literally all, all, of, all of camp mm-hmm. and even all of last year. We already knew it was a huge liability for this team. It really becomes a liability when you have, say, an older player like a Brandon Marshall who uh-huh. isn't what he used to be. And so, therefore, Eli Manning, the chain, the chain reaction to things, I think, hurt the Giants uh, altogether. But it just goes to show, as much as people love this defense – um, and as much as they love other elements of this team, they're not going to be right unless they get that line together and are able to protect Eli Manning. Listen, if you, just, if you think that guy's a cure-all, you didn't watch this. They got a lot bigger problems, a lot more problems than Odell. It'd be great to have him, right. but sorry, they got to fix a lot more than him. We definitely don't want it to be a Lamar Jackson show. Um, so if, he, if he's able to beat us with his arm, then, well, he's not going to beat us at all. I, I take that back. He's not going to beat us. We're just going to stop anything that he tries to do. Uh, he's not going to be able to run on us. We have, it, we have everything solidified with that. <clears throat> well. <laughs> Mar Jackson led Louisville to a 47-35 win over UNC by becoming the second player in FBS history with back-to-back games of 300 passing yards and 100 rushing yards. 393-132 to be exact. Three passing touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns. Yep, they stopped him from scoring seven. Uh, he became the first Power 5 QB since 2000 with multiple games of three passing touchdowns and three rushing touchdowns. Now, the odds for the Heisman Trophy. Updated odds for the Heisman Trophy. Entering the season, Sam Darnold was a pretty heavy favorite at 5-1, to one, but after what Lamar Jackson just did, he's now 9-5 to five to take home the Heisman for the second consecutive season. And our man Baker Mayfield also ahead of Donald. Of us, Donald, excuse me, at 5-2-1. You had Baker Mayfield going into the season as your Heisman favorite. You still feel that way after watching the reigning Heisman winner do what he did against UNC? Uh, I still feel that way for now. Um, but, look, seeing how Lamar Jackson performed, it, it certainly gave me a little bit of trepidation about my previous pick, which wasn't about me disrespecting Lamar Jackson, even though I do understand. There's inherent disrespect in that they inherent disrespect. What, for me? Yeah. You think so? If you picked anybody else other than Lamar Jackson to win the Heisman, then you were inherently disrespecting. How's the reigning Heisman winner having the season that he had not the favorite going into the next season? Because, I'll wait. Okay, this is why. This is why. why. Because you're going at what has historically happened. That, that nobody other than Archie, other than Archie Griffin. So I was literally just playing the odds. Mm-hmm. So it, it had nothing to do with me not thinking he was capable or me trying to slight uh, the kind of player that he could continue to evolve in. That's the point. But that's the biggest part of this is that if you watch that game against North Carolina. Different dude. Completely. Or better. I don't no, want to better. Just, yeah, yeah, better. Not, not much different. improved. But yep. So what he's doing as a quarterback, and underline that word, right, from in the, the pocket, pocket anticipation, is, this is a different dude. Okay. He's not just So you're saying it. you didn't know. No, no, I'm not saying that, <laughs> that I didn't that know. That. that For me, that it was – no, it, it wasn't that at all. Because, look, you already know where this narrative is going. How many Michael Vick comparisons have we already heard uh, with Lamar Jackson? A lot. Too many. And trust me, from here on out, he's going to be compared to every single black quarterback anybody else can think of because that's just the way it works, right? But I think people are going to do him a great disservice because his narrative is going to build about him being an athlete playing quarterback. No, that dude is a quarterback. Yeah. And so it was – Pleasing for me to see that kind of performance, given what the narrative has been, as if he can't change or evolve like all quarterbacks do. Well, in fairness, Sam Darnold, I mean, he had a rough first weekend, mm-hmm. which I think he was still the favorite after that. He was. And now he's been passed after a really good game, you know, that he just had the other night. So he, he made some, some dynamic throws uh, in USC's win Saturday night. Baker Mayfield had a moment, and we'll get more into that in a second, but he had a moment winning at Ohio State, planting the flag. Lamar Jackson has an opportunity to have his against Clemson this week. Yeah, he so does. It, depending on how he shows out, 
he could really move ahead in this conversation as it relates to Heisman. Well, the one I'm rooting for somebody to do it twice. Well, the one thing I, I see somebody do it. I, I want to see him repeat. Consider was the fact that Louisville's defense is a little suspect, and that's going to allow him more opportunities yeah. to put up some video game numbers, which he did. We haven't seen a repeat win in our lifetime. No. I would like to see that. So it was really about odds, not about disrespect. All right, speaking of Baker Mayfield, let's go back to that flag planning that you just brought up a moment ago. So as you mentioned, uh, he showed out against Ohio State, had 386 yards, three touchdowns, and then he showed out afterwards by not just trying to get Ohio State back after they sung on their home field last year after a very resounding victory. He went and planted the flag. That's what I'm talking about. So should he have apologized? Nope. Nothing to be sorry for. No, but that's not the point. No, I didn't say should he be sorry. I said should he apologize. Nope, shouldn't apologize. Yeah, you should apologize. Did you hear how Chris Fowler reacted? You know you got some people that would feel some kind of way about him disrespecting Ohio State. So what he did was ask for forgiveness and not permission. Because in his heart of hearts, he knows how awesome that was. But the political thing to do was to go up and say, if it would happen to us, I'd have been upset. I apologize. I meant no disrespect. But the damage is done. You got your viral moment. And guess what? If he does win the Heisman, guess what video we'll all be playing? That one right there. 10-0 on the road as Oklahoma starter. 71%, 35 touchdowns to five picks on the road. You deserve that moment. Don't, don't, Don't kill it for him. I'm not. Having done this once, does it give you a hunger to win another slam, to do this again, feel this feeling again? Of course, girl. Did you see that check that that lady handed me? <laughs> like, yes. We were able to get a win. You know, that's that's what this was for us, guys. I know last year for their win, it was like the Super Bowl. Um, but for us, this was just like beating Akron. Obviously, we lost in, at the very end, kind of like last year, seven of eight losses. How do you, what's the question? What's the I'm question? getting to it. Let's we'll get to the question. How do you keep this from snowballing? It's like not going to snowball. Year? Next question. There's nothing different. I go to work every day and I coach my football team. Is that good enough for you? Yes, I was just asking about the how it, it was different from last year's losing by one possession. Losing by one possession? Yeah. No, it was one point. Okay. Okay, great. Thanks. What did you think? Oh, I so sorry. Okay, well, then, you know, I... I, I appreciate your opinion, you know. <laughs> Hell, if I watch the film and I think it's so-so, maybe we'll try to hire your ass. <laughs> Sights and sounds from a crazy weekend in sports. All right, after getting beat 46-9 to by the Rams, Sean McVay's Rams, Colts coach Chuck Pagano got a little confused after the game. I mean, we got our asses kicked. And uh, credit 49ers and, and Coach McVay. You know, they uh, they played extremely well today. So first and foremost, he's obviously talking about John McVay. That was a confusion. Sean McVay's so young until people like Chuck McConnell <laughs> remember John McVay and the 49ers. That's why we're taking it or leaving it, whether or not he should be forgiven for forgetting who whooped him. I'm taking it. Forgiven. Honest mistake. <laughs> this is like, it's I like guess. Like Chris Tucker in Rush Hour. Which, Which one, one of y'all kick me? me? He's so delusional. <laughs> right, right. 46 nothing. By the way, I wish the 49ers would have played that way. <laughs> I was like, wow. Nah, I, I got to leave this one, though, Mike. Look, given the fact that they knew for some time 
that Andrew Luck was in a situation where he probably wasn't going to be playing this week. The fact that they were left with Scott Tolzien, yeah. and this is not this is not an endorsement of Colin Kaepernick. It's just saying what it is. You left yourself in a situation with Scott Tolzien. Right. No I can't forgiveness. let you ride today at all. Speaking of which, as you mentioned, Andrew Luck already out. They got to go with Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. Got to go. Can't go. Can't roll Scott Tolzien back out there. All right. Uh, so I, <laughs> I put that damn buzzer. buzzer. What I told y'all about that? Uh, after Benjamin <laughs> Tom Savage for Deshaun Watson, Bill O'Brien said today that no decision has been made on who will start Thursday against the Bengals. Now, he was limited today in practice, Watson, that is, with an ankle injury. Take it or leave it, Deshaun Watson should start Thursday against Cincinnati. I'm actually leave it because there was a reason why they ran Tom Savage out there to begin with, Mm -hmm. and that was because Bill O'Brien didn't think Deshaun Watson was ready. Now, while he looked better against Jacksonville because of his mobility, I don't think you make the decision about who's your starter and have that quick of a hook. So let Savage go out there against the Bengals. If he doesn't play better, now you got the longer preparation time to turn it over to Deshaun Watson. Did you see anything that remotely would no, make you think Tom Savage? But, but the problem is Dwayne Brown. Right. You're talking about Odell Beckham isn't a key role. They, they can't protect team. whoever's back there, so at least Deshaun can run. Is that why you would? Yeah, because he, and, and not only that, it's like considering Tom Savage isn't that much better than him, might as well just let the young guy have the job. After right? this week. Mm-hmm. Come on, buzzer. Jaguars, Saxonville, racked up 10 of them things against the Texans. In that 29-7 victory, Doug Marone, after the game. Your wildest dream, did you ever envision 10 sacks, four turnovers in one year? Um, you know, I don't know if I, I dream in my wildest dreams. You know, a lot of, most of the time I'm thinking about, you know, my wife and my wildest dreams. It's the smartest coaching decision anybody made all day. Always shout out the wife, right? Forget the 29 points. <laughs> Never enough cool points at home. That was, that was good. That was good. You're quick on your feet. Take it or leave it. Jags the real deal. Uh, I'm taking this. They, they have a formula. It's right there. Blake Borders, don't throw. <laughs> or just throw as few times as possible. Litter that's Fournette. That's he wanted. That's what, and that's what happened. Litter Fournette. Eat as much as possible, all right? Uh, and, of course, that defense, which was pretty Ooh. good last year, right. is Field nasty. position was a problem. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Calais Campbell. Four sacks. I mean, he looked tremendous. A.J. Boyer opposite Ramsey. Look, they got the formula. Just don't turn it over. Let the defense hit, take care of it. look at that business. division. Only issue of <laughs> Allen Robinson. That's unfortunate. Out for the year. So we're talking about people making everybody's job easy. You still have to respect Allen Robinson. Yes. Even when Blake Bortles under center. I'm coming. <laughs> All right. Going to the NFC East. After not signing a long-term extension this offseason, Kirk Cousins struggled. In the season opener against the Eagles, interception, game-selling fumble, which people was a lot of can- uh, controversy about. Now, take it or leave it, Cousins should already regret betting on himself. I'm going to leave that because that bet <laughs> has already paid nice dividends, all right, even if he doesn't have the long-term contract. I'm going to actually just pivot and say, can we talk about Carson Wentz? Who look, I, look, a lot of people throwing around Michael Vick. I'll, I'm not going there, but he <laughs> okay. looks awfully elusive, and he yeah. makes flash plays. If Carson Wentz could do the little things and not miss the open receivers – and make, and make the plays that we're not seeing with the naked eye, then I think he can be that good of a player. I ain't got to move on if y'all will stop with that buzzer. Go ahead. You're just going to be arguing at this guy. I'm going to argue with them until they kill uh, Look, I'm leaving this, even though what concerns me is that Kirk Cousins, he has taken on hits. Like, bro, you want a franchise deal? Like, I mean, a franchise tag, like, relax. But this is what you knew you were getting with Kirk Cousins and why Washington has been hesitant to commit. Keep talking. I got no, keep talking. No. Now forget that no, buzzer, no. man. Look. Don't try to get me in trouble. Matt Stafford. <laughs> Look pretty oh, good. Of course, of the course, highest paid course, player in the league course. history. Fits you well. Four touchdown passes. <laughs> Quit watching Matt Stafford's pockets and just watch him, okay? Take that. 
You know, Melitas, because you just like the rest of the Lions fans, act, acting like the Super Bowl was played in game I one. I know they didn't you sign the, in for week one. You I'm beat the I'm Cardinals, this. who obviously had some injury issues with David Johnson. I watch Carson Palmer. But that's supposed to just automatically justify him being a $200 million I'm guy. He's a, I'm saying he's a good quarterback and timing is everything. You giving back your money? <laughs> no. I ain't giving back mine. No. And, I'm, right. and he shouldn't give back his. I appreciate what you see He shouldn't give, give, give back his. Why, why it's always, not his fault the Lions put themselves in this situation. They were in a one and no situation. All I know is that because. They got a better quarterback than most teams in the league. All I know is it's a low bar in Detroit. Enjoy it while you can. <laughs> Right. Hey, by, by, be mindful of this. Halftime of Saints Vikings SVP talks to Matt Stafford about people hating on him. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's after our Monday night doubleheader, of course. SVP looking sharp. All right, after the game, again, don't miss Scott Van Pelt. Break down everything. And Matt Stafford at halftime, he'll have him. All right. The Tribe, Roland, won their 18th straight game last night as the Dodgers have lost their 10th in a row and 15 out of 16. All right, so when Cleveland streak started on August 23rd, the Dodgers had a major league-leading run differential of plus 218. Looked like they'd run away with the World Series. I think SI had them on a cover, best team ever, something like that. But in the last three weeks, peak this. The Indians have outscored their opponents by 89 runs, while the Dodgers have been outscored by a league-worst 50 runs, allowing the Tribe to take over the league's top spot. Let that sink in for a second. I'm going to call the police on this thing for knocking at the door so much. Which is worse, the let that sink in meme or the buzzer? <laughs> ah, the buzzer is worse. Buzzer. Sorry, Jasmine. Coming <laughs> Seriously, 18 in a row? We're about to see history. 18 in a row? Now that's that. taking advantage of the moment right there, huh? <laughs> yeah. Got uh, Randy to sign those personally. Ron Diggs is cleats, right? Yeah, those are, those are his cleats. And Randy Moss, who is going in the Vikings Ring of Honor tonight. Very dope. I a lot love of dope cleats. Michael Thomas has some dope cleats too. They had our man Jarius Robertson uh, on the side. I don't know if we have pictures of those. We don't. All right, that's pictures of Aaron Rodgers and the Seahawks. Packers 17, Seahawks 9. Who knows how the game plays out if Nazir Jones's pick six stands, if not for a block in the back borderline from Cliff Averill. But of greater note, Seahawks corner Jeremy Lane being ejected after the officials deemed that Lane threw a punch at Devontae Adams. I ain't seen no punch, and neither did Pete Carroll. I have seen it, and I didn't see the punch at all. And um, I'm disappointed that that the play would be have such magnitude on the game. But I, it's, it's just such a drastic thing to do that I, I wish that they would have had cooperation from more than one official and just talk about it and figure it out and, and, and because it's such a big call. But uh, that's what they saw. One guy saw it, and that's what they went with. And, and uh, I'm anxious to hear how the league talks, you know, tells us uh, how that went, you know, what should happen there. All right, Ryan Clark, the officiating stunk, at least in those circumstances, and the Seahawks offense stunk. What's more, what's more of the well, reason why the Seahawks well, lost that green? Well, we've seen officiating stink, mm-hmm. but usually it doesn't take points right off the board. It's you know, it, the game like right? Yeah, this. you know, it's usually like, well, if they wouldn't have called that, maybe they got a first down and right. the drive stays alive and they can score. This was legit point in the points in the game, and so that definitely played a part. But Russell Wilson was running for his life all game. They made the Green Bay Packers look like a defensive juggernaut. <laughs> you know, the last time we saw him, Julio Jones was running a marathon. Mm-hmm. In Atlanta, and so and they've added some pieces, but the Green Bay Packers got after this this offense of Seattle all day, and it really doesn't look good because I can't see it getting better. And they've always depended on Coach Capel yeah. to get that front line to play better and to right. get a running game. I don't think that happens with this group of players. So you're more impressed with Green Bay's defense? I, I thought Green Bay's defense. I, I thought I thought Green Bay's defense was good. Yeah. The first play of the game, 
Perry gets pressure right into Russell Wilson's face. He has to get out of the pocket. Mike Daniels dominates all day. Clay Matthews was an afterthought, and he actually played well. And so you look at this Green Bay team, we'll know for sure Sunday night, though. Yeah, because I would say, will they regress back to – Kind of the mean, exactly. if you will. Exactly. The, those guys have to step up. Devon House has been a guy who's underachieved at the cornerback position throughout his career. He's starting at left corner for the Green Bay Packers, and they're a team that likes to match up. If he's matched up on Julio, I'd like to see how he handles that challenge because if he handles it well, this team could be very good going forward. Jamel, Sunday's game, officiating or offense for you? Uh, for me, it, it was about um, – it, actually, the true answer is a little bit of both, yeah. right? Because he, Ryan said it perfectly. And that, that's what bothered me about it is that given how close this game was right. and how they were just slugging it out, and, yes, Seattle has some offensive issues, you just can't have a call that takes away points, especially one that block in the back. I mean, it was bad enough Jeremy Lane got ejected, but that block right. in the back was weak. I mean, yeah, that was yeah, real ticky-tacky. And mm-hmm. so in this kind of game with this much at stake, because yeah. these two teams will probably see each other again, like you can't well, have that's, that. Well, that's the reason why I go back to the officiating, because offensively, yes, Seattle has problems. They've, they've had problems on the offensive line for a while, as you pointed out. And they went three and out on that possession. That's in the first quarter. But as you know, Ryan, score dic- scoring situation dictates play calling exactly. the rest of the way. Exactly. So who right. knows how the rest of the game plays out if they if get, they that, get touch- that touchdown off top. But but even beyond that, okay, so 3 nothing, block in the back, foul. Fine, they call the foul. Jeremy Lane plays eight out of 82 snaps against Aaron Rodgers. Okay, so Aaron Rodgers has a good game against a great defense that's down an important player. So in the grand scheme, while Seattle has its own problems of its own making to fix, this is the type of game that can dictate how a season and how a postseason plays out based on record, tiebreaker, yeah, field advantage. Right. All of these two teams especially. One play. No, I I totally agree, but that is what happens with the human era of referees. Yeah. Like, it's part of the game, and it's one of those but things. But he didn't throw a punch. Right. I, listen, I know. I know, like, in the UFC, that's just a little rough enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, he might get kicked out of the UFC for that. You know, Dana don't like when the fight bore him. Yeah, right. But what I'm saying is those guys saw that. They say one guy saw it. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't make that call. Right. But if you watch it, they call the early um, – Penalty on Cobb for taunting just because he walked yeah. over to him. And, and what, the pass interference? So. Oh, right. Not oh, we didn't even bring that up, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, and so it was it was a lot of questionable calls, but this ain't the first time a Green Bay-Seattle game been marred by <laughs> yeah, a questionable call. Now, I thought that Green Bay-Seattle would be my favorite game of the game. What was your favorite game of the day? It was Oakland-Tennessee. Yeah. Absolutely. For, for two reasons. One, Tony Romo, he was killing it in the booth. Like, yep. he was great. He was good. Uh, second reason being Marshawn Lynch. Um, he's just giving something. Oh, Amari Cooper. Oh, and Amari Cooper. Sorry. Right. The Saints will be better this year. Didn't mean to slight him. Uh, that's for Derek sure. Derek Carr look great. They the, all Raider, look good. the Raiders look good against a Tennessee team that a lot of people have bigger expectations yes. for this season. With all the issues we're seeing in New England, mm-hmm. with what Beast Mode has brought to this team, is he looking like the mi- missing piece for the Raiders, Ryan? They are the AFC champion today. Can I overreact? Look at that. Can I, can I Monday morning quarterback? Go for it. This week one. Right? You know, and I, I just picked my guys like last week. I just picked. My Super Bowl contender. Well, of course. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Like, okay. Because that's what I felt that day. But that was last sure week. That was Friday. Right. right. Now it's now. Monday. I feel different. And I can do that because it's my opinion. Right. It's it a good exchange. So does you your know, opinion. So you come into the season, you think, can they stop people defensively? Mm-hmm. Can the corner stand up? And they did. And can they win games late by running the football? And they did. And it was physical and it was fun. And he was sticking both middle fingers up. Well, that was a, a great time watching it. I don't know if we got the video for it. But if he's flipping people off, that, that's, that, I'm here for that. 
I'm I'm ha- I am here for that. He brings an attitude that's that how they, they were missing in the backfield. Right? That's how they feel anyway. They feel like the world's against them. He's the perfect he's piece perfect, for that. How we did not him being a Raider yeah. for so long? No question. With you know all I mean? apologies to Seattle. He yeah. should have been a Raider he's a long time. He's born to be a Raider. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know about favorites, though. Still New England. Oakland's no. going to be there at the end. So will Pittsburgh, but it's still New England. It was one no. game. It's changing my mind. Only Antonio Brown will show up to Sunday's game wearing a $4,200 Gucci tuxedo. Checking if you got it. Exactly. I, I, I was saying that he's the only person with that kind of style, that kind of confidence. And look, maybe he should do it more often. Go go 11 for 11 in terms of targets for 182 yards. It's just a lot happening in that pattern. Just a lot. And Vereen can flow in that. Nice. <laughs> for him. Uh, speaking of Big Ben, uh, near the end, uh, the Steelers went over the Browns. Didn't take too kindly to being shoved. So it's like, ah. Really, really, man? Yeah. That's, that's your, you know, that's your you move? Know, my body's weary. I'm that's too old for this. Like, like Sergeant Murtaugh. It's like I'm a grab at the ankles. Deshaun Kaiser looked all right. He did. I think uh, the Browns, they have, they may have something there. The nicest thing you could muster <laughs> about the Browns. Look, they, they were very competitive. Staying in Ohio. Uh, following Cincinnati's 20-0 loss to the Ravens, Bengals fans booed Andy Dalton off the field. And even one fan yelled, I was Carson. I wish Carson, I, I wish Car- Carson Palmer were back. He yeah. threw uh, four picks, committed five turnovers. My goodness, his his QBR, Mike, .6. Like in school, that's not even a D. <laughs> <laughs> a failing grade. Let's say something, Bengals fans. If you can't be with the it's one you love, love the one you with. And in the immortal words, words of Jeffrey Osborne, it takes separation to bring appreciation. How are you supposed to love that? Better support this man. Who else you going to go to? Well, AJ McCarron. See what I'm saying? I'm sure already that's probably part of some of the uh, sports talk show fodder. That's Scooter Gannett was ejected, staying in Cincinnati. Scooter, rejected, ejected for, Scooter Gannett ejected for the Reds yesterday. Brian Price came out to argue. But you know what? Hold on. Pause that. When God bless America's plan, you got to be quiet. I like it. That's respect. That's respect. <laughs> Next time, time that argument a little bit. <laughs> a lot of people talk about respecting the flag or respecting uh, when that is yes. when the national anthem is sung. Hey, hey, they mean it. Our BS is to the side. <laughs> right. You can Put our differences together. Exactly. Away. Respecting America. Like, we, we got better things to do. We respect Bill's mafia here on this show. In mid-season form. See, all, that's, 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 that's all friend summer. goals. That's yeah. friend goals. Maybe something uh, to show the softer side of Bill's Mafia here in a second. Um, <laughs> they, they that's not it. That's not it. It's coming. Smashing a real jet. That's not a that's real jet. That's, but, but that's it, not a real jet. It's, it just got a. It kind of looks like one, but that's creative. No, here it is. Two fans getting married in the parking lot, tailgating. Didn't I'll allow it. Imagine a better place to get married. I'll allow it. Did not imagine. It place. only would have been better if they would have instead of. Um, you know, maybe being officiated right there, jumped off a table together. I know. Instead of jumping the broom, let's jump the table. Let's jump the table. Nice I, let's, let's make this super official, but it's probably one of the calmer moments we'll see from Bill's Mafia. Um, get your mans. No, I'm actually getting you. Get your mans. So this is Justin Drake trying to measure the wind speed of Hurricane Irma. That went viral over the weekend, okay? You, on the other hand, I sometimes I wish I could delete your Twitter account. <laughs> why? Because why you got a caption every day, I don't think? So you decide, you know what? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. So, <laughs> it was. I'm the only coworker people know that she's so plenty of coworkers. Acting like my breath smells like old cheese and hot garbage. Mike has very nice smelling breath. Really? Your breath has never stunk in the Thank history you. of us Thank doing you. television together. My taste may stink, but not my breath. I was not talking about him. But they don't know I that. was just posing so a now hypothetical. I got people like, shots fired, shots fired. Oh. talking about you, man. Start, no, I was talking about you or Jasmine you or just, Sam or anybody else. Stop tweeting and All of y'all have fresh breath. You know, your bumps would be a lot better if you weren't tweeting. <laughs> my <laughs> bumps are fire. Your scripts wouldn't have all them damn my, typos my in it. My bumps are fire. Just want you to know that. Yeah.
We had a good day, Jamel. Um, speaking of Monday Night Football, Beth Mowens will make TV history tonight as the first woman in 30 years to call a regular season Monday Night Football game. She'll be with Rex Ryan for Broncos Chargers, in case you didn't know. All right, more pickup video because the offseason, no such thing in the NBA. James Harden picked up basketball with Carmelo, CP3, Russell Westbrook. And the reason we show you this is because we're plugging tomorrow's show. We're supposed to have the beard right here on the 6th. Glad you said tomorrow. supposed to. Supposed to. Yes. Because if he can't Pressure's on you, James Harden. Exactly. <laughs> All right, that's it for us. Sports Center continues on ESPN News. Saints-Vikings is next. In case you didn't know. <laughs> See you all tomorrow.